Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash back with you again and a brand new author right hot off the hot off the press. We've got Anna Marshall with us today. On your marks, get set, lead. A beginner's guide to people leadership. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. So you've um, you've just um, published this new book. Um, was it a was it a labor of love? Did the words come out quickly? Was it you know what what was the process of of getting all of that sorted for you? It definitely was a labor of love. I feel like the book was just screaming to come out and it demanded to be written, to be honest. It's been bubbling away for a while. And I have to say the writing was the delightful and easy part of it for me. Um, the editing was a lot more challenging. <laughs> did you have a team? Did you engage somebody, uh, others to help you? I did. I had an awesome team at Publish Central. So Michael Hanrahan and his crew helped me, which was awesome. Couldn't have done it without them. And Andrew Griffiths was my um, book coach. So I have had exceptional guidance. <laughs> well done, because it, it um, you know, I've got it, I've got the book in my hand and it looks like it's had um, um, the, the craft of somebody who knows what it takes to finish off a book into, into, into a form that it's going to be um, comparable to some of the other big publishing companies around the world. So well done. Oh, you, thank you so much. You made the right decisions there. Um, so you're obviously from Scotland. <laughs> yes, I am. You've picked up the accent. Yeah, it's not... I, I've, be, I've been in Australia for a while now. So I've actually been in Australia longer than I lived in the UK. I moved to Australia in 1995 to Broken Hill, of all places. Wow. And I lived there for about seven years. And then, and now I live in Kuma, so in the Snowy Mountains. And I'm very, very happily here. Wow. How oh, great. So, yeah, you haven't... I'm sure when you go back to Scotland, though, they say you've got an Aussie accent. But for us... <laughs> they the, do. The lilt is still there. Um, and then before we go into the book, so what is it that you do in terms of um, your, your professional experience that put you in a position to get, um, you know, pen to paper or start sure. typing away on, on the keyboard. Yeah, great. So um, I'm a leadership development consultant. Uh, I have, a, I guess, a boutique leadership consultancy called People Mastery, and I've been in that business now for eight years. So I absolutely love it. Set that up. And before that, I worked in corporates. So, um, you know, in that same space, so leadership development, change management, uh, culture and transformation. So I have sort of lived experience inside organizations and teams, led teams, and um, I'm a bit of a variety girl. So in uh, 2013, I thought I love doing my work, but I'd love to do it with lots of different people. So I set up my business and I work with lots of different clients, government, you know, corporate, uh, professional services, and not-for-profits, all sorts. So I love working in that space with lots of different types of people. Mm. And, and so when, with the book, um, it, a beginner's guide to people leadership. Is it really for those that are um, just starting out, or have, or have started out, and they realise I don't know, you know, I was good at what I did, but I don't know anything about leading people, or they've had a few um, learning experiences where things have really flared up in the way that they least expected it. Is it is it really for 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 that group, or what about um, you know? people who've been leading for a long time. I mean, I've run my own companies now for 25 years and I do some things well. And I remember what I was like when I first started out, I was terrible. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, it was because I, I never even led anyone. I started my own company and, and I was really just a consultant before in recruitment. So so what's the, what's the perfect target um, yes. reader? 
so I think you're you're you've got the gist of it. So there's kind of two audiences, if you like. Um, primarily, it's for exactly the people that you mentioned earlier. So emerging leaders, people that have never led people before. Uh, and if you're coming from, you know, you've been an individual contributor, a technical expert, whatever it might be, and then you've either either found yourself in a people leadership role or you've chosen to go down that path, this is the book for you. Uh, it's quite a transition is you would have experienced Tony, like moving from just running your own show to then leading other people. And I think also for um, the more experienced leaders, um, it's a good chance to sort of refresh. And sometimes, you know, you find that there's some things that you need to detox from, you need to let go of. Hopefully this is a helpful reminder. Uh, so you can use it for yourself to, to polish up the, maybe the rough edges and also to, to work with your leaders that report to you. How can you help them to be their best? So when you work with an organization doing your consulting work, are you mostly working with um, lower level leadership, mid, mid tier? Are you ever working with the CEO and the board as well? And Yeah, I do. And to be honest, I think the, the most successful uh, clients are the ones where I work with the CEO and the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if we start there and do the work together and have a really powerful, you know, highly cohesive team, then the rest it takes care of itself. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of the time we do do work with emerging leaders too. So it kind of works in a cascade. So we start with the leadership team, get them sorted, and then we start through the rest of the organization. I guess the problem occurs, Tony, when you go into organizations and they say the problem's down there, you know, the top team are pointing down to the lower tiers in the organization and saying that's where the problem is. And it, it never is. That's never where the problem is. The problem is always up there. <laughs> so when I work from the top down, it usually works the best. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me that. Um, <laughs> My pleasure. It's really uh, comforting. <laughs> um, no, I know, I know that's the case. I, I, um, I have a certain leadership style. I like to empower people so they they know what they need to do and get on with it. I don't, I don't like to micromanage or, or uh, be a tyrant. Um, I can get cranky from time to time, but it's pretty uncommon. When, yes. when you think about uh, the, the leader is. Is there like there's there's very little when it comes to um, degrees and and you know, there's a there's a gap there there's a gap there in terms of uh, leadership um, in in the education system versus what we have to do outside of outside of um, the education system when you're actually working is does it all really have to happen in in the in the business like do, do the work that you do and all the other leadership courses um or, or is there an up is there much in the way of the the tertiary education system to really develop good leaders yeah there's more and more now um lots of uh you know Deakin and lots of the other universities are offering like leadership programs, you know, specifically setting that out there. I think that the challenge is, Tony, that, you know, that word leadership is used everywhere. It's like salt. It's kind of in everything. Um, and I, I like to be very specific. You know, when I'm talking about leadership, I'm talking about people leadership. And that particular focus I think that's can that can be what's missing so you know for example I work with a lot of engineering businesses and so they're you know there are people that have come through our engineering graduates and there's not anything inside the engineering program about how to lead people so they come really well technically qualified for the technical aspects but when it comes to actually making that transition into how do I lead a team and how do I communicate well and connect them 
they've got nothing to fall back on. So I think that's often where I step into the organization and, and help develop those leaders, those skills and capabilities uh, so that they can be their best, so they can have their technical knowledge and they can lead people effectively. So um, yeah, that, that's the kind of space I like to play in. And I think the, the tertiary um, institutions out there are certainly getting more on top of that now, but I would like to see it more um, merged in with all of the other programs, because let's face it, if you can't work effectively with people, there's not many jobs that require you to work in a box. So I'm, I'm stunned that you even make that distinction, because I can't even unpack leadership without it being people leadership. It's like what other leadership is there? If, like, I understand sitting down and doing a strategy document and doing all of your, your, your SWOT analysis and, and having post-its on a wall where you're planning out your future. I get that kind of leadership. Um, but it, to me, it really, it's the people leadership. What, what other leadership, what, why are you making that distinction? What are you, what is the other leadership that you're referring to then? That no, I think, yeah, I think it's great to hear you say that. It's like, oh, how refreshing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the visionary leadership, the strategic leadership, the brand leadership, the reputational leadership, you know, pretty much any word you can think of, they whack it on the front and turn it into leadership. So, and I, I you know, particularly for um, CEOs and, you know, C-suite, then, you know, they have their particular area that they're specializing in. And um, so, yeah, yeah, that word is everywhere. Like, you know, leadership is everywhere. And not everyone thinks of it the way that you do around, you know, our, our leadership. Well, of course, it's about the people. Not everyone thinks that way. Mm. Uh, and you can look around. And um, I was looking at a little post on LinkedIn the other day, and it was um, someone, an organization that had terminated like 900 of their employees on a Zoom call. There's no people leadership in there. So, you know, that's probably about the business and the financial leadership, whatever they're making that call for. Uh, but there's little regard for the people. So it's a challenge. So when you work with all these people, is it, what are some of the things that you, you see that, like, like you, you, you walk into a room and you start to get a, a feel for what, where they're at in terms of their people leadership skills. Do you get to a point and go, that person will never, ever, ever be able to lead people? Um, or are we all, um, you'd like to think, I'm an optimist and a fairly positive person, but can, it, can the light come on at some, with everyone or, or will people work within a band of whatever their you know, values and mindset and, and what their, their stress levels that they're willing to tolerate? And yeah. how do, what, what's, your, what's your feeling on that? I think there's there's two parts to to that answer, Tony. It's a good question. Is you know can can anyone be a leader? I believe that they can. Uh, it's about choice, you know. So do you choose to lead people? Uh, and because I guess I'm a big believer, like you, in the mindset. So you know we know growth you know growth mindset, fixed mindset. If you have a growth mindset, anything is possible. Like you can learn, you can retrain your brain, even if you haven't led people for you know many, many years, you know, there's there's no reason to suggest that you can change that around. But the key distinction there is the choice. Like, you know, leadership is a choice. It's not, it's not a it's not the badge that you wear or the job title or you know, the oh, I get paid X amount of money, that makes me a leader. It's do you choose to do that and do you want to choose to learn? And if you do, 
the world's your oyster. Like you can, we can totally help you. I, and I think when people come with that fixed mindset, um, then, you know, that would, you know, the word that I use is uncoachable and there's not many of them. Right. So I reckon I've, I've had maybe two or three in my career that I would say are uncoachable. And, and that's because they believe um, they know everything and they have nothing to learn. And, and when you, when you bring a mindset like that, I mean, there is no learning there. So mm. that, that's the only, that's the only people that can't really do it. Those ones that choose not to, or are close to it. It's amazing that they arrived into the birthing ward at the hospital <laughs> knowing everything um and like you know what happened between that moment and where they are today to go you know know. you obviously learned a few things along the way um must be must be an arm wrestle to try and get them to learn anything or or change of course so so then what what i love uh in this particular part of my job interviewing authors I had a bit of a joke the last time because I have interviewed a lot of authors on leadership. <laughs> I know you have. I've been listening to your podcast. Have you? <laughs> right. Leadership. And it's it's quite funny because there's there's more workers than there are leaders. Um, but there's no books out there about, you know, this is how you be a good worker to work for your leader. Um, no one writes books about just good followers. Um, uh, this is how you be a follower. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I would argue that, um, you know, you can lead yourself, like, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the way that you live inside your values, the decisions that you make, um, you, you can be a role model for other people, and they can look up to you. And we, we all, I'm sure you know, pl- plenty of people, Tony, who you would say they're someone that you respect and admire. Um, they don't, they're not necessarily your leader, but they lead, you, you know, your thoughts and your aspirations um so you know i I truly believe that anyone can be a leader if they choose to of course uh, i I do believe that title no no (laughs) i I believe that as well in fact um i use it uh, even more so with the word entrepreneur entrepreneur comes from from the french to enter and take so you basically as an entrepreneur you you kind of hack into the the universal database and then you you pull something out and then you you you've invented it or you've created and i I honestly believe that anybody is entrepreneurial if they're making something new and you can be in any role in any company or at home or at school or at sport or in whatever it may be. Um, we have the opportunity to be entrepreneurial. So I'm, I'm kind of joking around, <laughs> around that. But it, well, even last week, um, I was in the distribution center and we have labor hire companies as well as per- permanent. And I did see the couple of days before this woman who's their labor hire company so she's just coming in to do work i mean it's not on one day they'll they'll come in and i noticed how fast she was moving and how quickly she was moving and and um a couple of days later i saw her again i just went up to her and i said just want to i didn't say who i was she had no idea um and i I certainly didn't introduce myself i said thank you for working so hard i noticed you the other day and um you you were really um going above and beyond thank you for having pride in what you do and and she goes oh my gosh thank you so much and then I just went off and then I sent an sms I asked her name and I sent an sms to the guy that owns and runs the labor hire company to say by the way this lady is very very good um and that's that's to me what you're just talking about that's leadership by leading by example um on the shop floor just picking books and packing and putting them away or whatever she was doing 
And, you know, I, th I think it's interesting, you know, what you notice about her response, you know, how, yeah, how she responded to that. She was really grateful and she probably had an extra spring in her step after your conversation. And then I, I love um, that you texted her manager too, because that I would talk about that, you know, you can get double value out of your feedback, you know, when you give that to the person directly and then mm. you pass that on and it can work the other way around. So if someone had said to you, Tony, oh, I just wanted to let you know, one of your, your, your team's team members has been awesome and then they tell them and then you pass that back on they've got it three times like fantastic so you get well, more value yeah, out of the that. feedback i actually did that about a month or so, month or two one of my um direct reports had a new person join their team and they they just described how how um above and beyond their expectations they were in terms of what they can do um and i after the meeting i just sent a message to this guy to say we were, we were talking and I had not even crossed paths with him because of COVID. You don't really yes. see everyone all the time. They're working from home. And I, I said, I, I just got some great feedback um, from your manager and, and I CC'd the manager and I said, thank you. And, and uh, congratulations. And I'm so glad that you chose to work at Booktopia. Um, they're, they're precious moments, aren't they? When you, yeah, get, for sure. you get those. Yeah. And it, you know, like one of the little catchphrases that I like is, is if you see something, say something, because a lot of the time in organizations, people, they notice these good things. Like, you know, another person might've been walking in the warehouse and noticed the person working really quickly and, and effectively, but just saw it, but didn't say anything. So if you see something, say something, because we really want to have lots more positive feedback out there. There's so many things, you know, once you start looking for it, there are millions of ways every day to recognize people for things that they're doing well, just if we pick and, up a tiny And one. actually, yeah, from my perspective, and then gives me, I won't say points or cr credits, but it gives you the ability then to be able to say, when they know that you, 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 you compliment the positive, then you can also give feedback on the negative because quite often it's well, not negative, but there's, you know, this could be better <laughs> or could you change, you know, the shelves yeah. are very dirty or this, or, you, you get the, then they know that you just, you're giving, it, it, it's, it's unfiltered. It's feedback on both ends of the spectrum and yeah. therefore you, you have permission to do that. Um, and Tony, you know, you obviously are a very experienced leader. Uh, you know, one of the things around, I guess I can talk about, you know, the feedback, the positive feedback, which you were just talking about there. And then the other one is feedback for improvement. That's all there is. Like there's nothing else. It's not, you know, disciplinary feedback or what have you, because as leaders, you know, we've got these people in our charge who we're caring for and learning and growing and developing. And so, the, you know, that's the only thing we're focused on is how do we help them be even better? So when when you're talking to someone and say, oh, can I give you some feedback from improve, for improvement? What are they going to say? Oh, no, no, thanks. I don't want to be any better. Like, that's crazy. Of course they are. So you give them that feedback. And then, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, if you're giving lots more of the positive feedback, you know, Marcel Lasada's research was around six to one. So six positive to one for improvement. So it sounds like you're ticking all the boxes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, but uh, um, yeah, I'm pr I probably do it more these days um, as the company's grown. Um, and I've, I've got uh, such a great leadership team and awesome. I don't necessarily need to be involved in the micro um, very much at the macro. Um, yeah. So it, I feel like I have the luxury of time to be able to do that, which is, which right. is good. So let me, um, so everyone who's listening, I've got, I've got Anna, I've got actually, I've got Anna Marshall with me, the author of On Your Marks, Get Set, Lead, A Beginner's Guide to People Leadership. Um, looks like it's, I haven't read it. Um, because I just got it. You I sound just, like you have. 
Uh, well, funnily, funnily enough, it, it came, this is actually uh, Lara, uh, one of my EA's uh, copy, um, and it came in a beautifully um, wrapped gift. Um, normally, they just get sent through in a in some sort of express post parcel or something like that, but this is beautifully put together. Um, and I've got the I've got the chapter section open here, so it's, it's really suits my kind of learning where you've got bite-sized little um, chapters that you can kind of go to. Is it one of those books? I like to ask this question. If you've listened yes. to my my audios, you probably know. Like you just shut your eyes and you meditate for a second and then you open it up on a page and you go, you know, DRA learning reflection, right? And you go, oh, that's what I need to hear about today versus um, starting from the beginning. Um, and you really do need to work your way through the book because it is very much like a manual and and it's layer upon layer upon layer. So what, what's your thoughts around yeah. the way people can use it? So my recommendation for emerging leaders, you know, for beginning leaders who are the, you know, so number one people that it's written for is to start at the beginning and work all the way through. And that's because often when you're an emerging leader, you don't know what you don't know. So I suspect they might discover a few things that are like, oh, is that part of leadership? Yes, it is. Um, so it's it, the kind of analogy that I've got, Tony, is like the traffic light. So, you know, red, amber, green. So red is sort of like that strategic pause. So, you know, you're either about to step into leadership or you're in there and you're going, oh, my God, what is this world I've stepped into? So just to sort of step back and take a breath and think about, you know, how do I set myself up for success? You know, how do I how do I learn how to be a leader and how do I get my support crew around me and so forth? And then the middle section, amber, is is probably the most critical piece. And that's about. When, when you become a people leader, you need to let go of being the expert. So, and really what that's all about is developing up your coaching approach. So, you know, being present to your people, listening effectively and asking really awesome questions. Uh, and so once you've got that sort of foundation there, then you can go and do the doing of leadership, which is the green section. So we're ready to go. So connecting, communicating, focusing, developing and helping your team resolve problems. So I think if you if you do the sweep through there um, and as you, you landed on the DRA page, so discovery, reflection, action at the end of each chapter, there's a little summary. So just like a little review to get people really thinking. Uh, and I think so, say, for example, with you, you're, you're a really experienced CEO and leader. Uh, you know, you could just dip in anywhere you want because it'll just be refreshing uh, stuff that you know. So if you go, oh, what, what's that stuff about listening again? You know, you need to brush up my listening. You can just jump into the listening piece and, and have a little refresh there. So hopefully I've designed it in a way that, you know, you can you can dip in and, you know, get a, a, a little segment there. But also I'd recommend for those beginning leaders just to go from front to back. Yeah, I don't. It's funny. And I'll share with, with you and everyone that's listening. I don't really see myself as an accomplished leader. Um, I don't know whether that's um, helpful because then I don't take anything for granted. Um, and um, I, I mean, I, I don't sit here beating up on myself going, you're useless, geez, you know, like how embarrassing. Like I'm, I don't, I don't have that, but I also kind of, I'm curious and I'm an inquisitive and going, well, what else could I potentially, um, you know, what, what could I drop and what can I, what, what can I embrace to become a better leader is mostly how I think about the role and myself. But what, what does help me is having a very clear vision about where we want to go. So yes. um, the clearer that is um, and the more that I can ab absolutely connect with where the business is going and what we're trying to accomplish, then um, 
it's easier and easier for me to lead. If I'm yeah. just simply managing versus leading, and which um, is that you know we're at where we're at, and we just need to maintain the the I don't know the farm you know yes. year in year out. There's a crop, and we I don't know then um, then it's a, a bit different because we're a growing organization um, with people and with revenue and with output and uh, customers. Um, I, I guess that's been helpful for me. Yeah. By, so do you think, so Tony, at the back of, you know, the final section of the book, the, the, the green light, we talk about these five areas and, you know, you've said, you know, for you, maybe focusing is the most important, um, you know, what would be, you know, your reflections as a CEO, you know, how, how do you do that? Well, how do you focus your organization on what matters most? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Let's, let's go through that. So the five areas and I've got the, the uh, so everyone knows I've got the back cover here. I'm looking at the back cover where Anna, um, has those uh, red, amber, and greens in those five areas. So I'll just run through the five that you mentioned before. So connecting with your team, um, I believe I'm very good at that. Um, I feel that's definitely one of my strengths. Communicating with my team, um, I'm good when I'm good, but I'm when I'm bad, I'm bad. So, and what I mean by that is, is that not that I'm not communicating, I'm quite often thinking about the future and the vision, and then, uh, you know, I don't. I'm not also thinking about, okay, telling the team, um, and making sure they're up to date and making sure they're in included. Um, so sometimes it, it's been at the exclusion of certain people. So I think, um, I, you know, I, I I'm probably not as strong on that one. So would you say, Tony, that's a it's a frequency thing? Like, so when you communicate, you do that well, but your reflection is maybe that you could do that more regularly. For example, is that yeah, I think so. That, that's yeah. that's the um, the counterbalance of being an entrepreneur and a visionary, yeah. um, in particular, in an industry that has really required me to to you know we're up against Amazon. Yes. Stores are dead. Uh, uh, books were you know the end, the physical book was ending. Amazon's going to annihilate you. Like all those things uh, certainly required you to be on your on your toes and on your game all the time. So um, I'm, when you when I'm out there being entrepreneurial and really thinking and imagining um, making the invisible visible, I'm not really yes. thinking about what I've got to say to the team. I'm 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 really immersing myself in where things are heading. So yeah, from that aspect, then focusing, um, I'm pretty good on that especially when it comes to decision-making, like when, when the proverbial is hitting the fan, um, knowing intuitively what, where we need to go. So there's no messing around, um, I think. But I do also feel like the team is more and more empowered to know what to focus on themselves. So to me, it's like, well, how focused are they? Um, and going from levels from, you know, C-suite to um, team leaders and so forth, like if, if they're really focused and that kind of that ripple effect of of yes. of focusness um is is going quite a way down then it gets easier and easier on that i think yeah and i think that's it. the interesting thing about it is that you know often when you go into organizations and you say you know uh you know what's the number one thing you know what what are your priorities and they'll rattle off in the 47 different things and you go 
how does anyone know how to make the right decision when there's 47 things on the burner like that's not going to happen so you know my, my kind of advice is you know you need to identify I mean yes there are lots of things that are important but which one matters most of all and like you said when you're when you're clear your executives are clear your team members are clear um then that empowers them to make better decisions because they know that's what matters most so they choose that thing to work towards that and stop doing some of the others mm. you know or park them for now so i think that's really powerful um developing i've having come from recruitment for 14 years i pinch people from companies and put them in other companies <laughs> and so um, it was really always weird for me when someone gave me like a job description and basically in IT, it was like, this is the recipe. They need to have three years of that, five, five years of that, blah, 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 this industry or whatever. Right. And go out and find that person. And it was like, so what are they going to learn here? Like what, what is their, their next, you know, step to where their career is going to develop? Oh no, we don't want anything. We just want someone who can do this. Yeah. So why are they going to join you? I oh, will pay them more money. So then it's really mercenary. And, yes. and so for me, um, we've been in a fortunate situation where Booktopia started almost 18 years ago with one person, and now there's 300 people. Maybe. And so over the years, because we've grown from a million, you know, $30 in sales on day three, and that was the total sales to $250 million a year, it, um, the, the um, opportunity for people who joined along the way because we were growing, they could develop their skills. And the, I think the most important thing for me to share is that when someone came to resign, and there was one young lady um, yesterday who had resigned the other day, I saw the email go through and I said to her, this very thing is like, wow, where are you going next? Because if you don't want to be here, you're going to go somewhere really exciting. And and I want to know that Booktopia was a stepping stone for them to develop their career. Now, if they choose to stay here because there's still more and more opportunity because we grow and they can develop, terrific. So, but one of the things that that does for me as a CEO is that I was never trying to hold on to people. Yes. You know, what if that person leaves or like, and so it was always like, oh, you're going to go, wow, you've created a vacuum for the next person to come in to take us to the next level. And that sense of comfort certainty um relaxness people probably stayed longer or they felt yes whatever, whatever and, and there's there's so much um research now tony exactly on that around you know the one of the number one ways of and I, you know i'm sure you know it because you're doing it is to keep people in your business to engage and retain them is to develop them and um and sometimes even if you can't see a direct you know opportunity for them to move in you may well be helping them to take the next step outside your company sometimes those people come back and hire physicians later on so they're like boomerangs which is really positive too so um, you know, it gets overlooked. And I think when times are tough, often it's the thing get, that gets chopped and it's the thing that actually should say top of the list. So mm. yeah, good yeah. for you. Yeah. And then the other thing, of course, is as we've got bigger to actually have outside um, trainers coming in for very specific pieces of work, which I never did um, early on, probably because we couldn't afford it, but yes. um, to, to, to let go of that, you know, like, why are they like me? You just try hard and it's what you learn on the job and you put the effort in and you get your, your effort in and, and you, you get the rewards and, and not everyone is like that. So it's kind of let go a little. So there's, there's um, a lot more within um, learning development, 
um, HR, on-the-job training with the teams that are that are um, within each area of the business to develop. So, to me, as a CEO, it's that's actually one of the ones where I I don't as a leader I don't really need I can be smart about that and outsource or have programs in place to make sure that that is is um, flourishing. Yeah. Um, and um, I, think, I guess I think, sorry. Well, I think it, it's about are you a developing organization rather than are you a CEO who has a big you know developing your team is is really critical I think yeah I think and there's lots of ways of developing um your team that doesn't cost any money like uh you know whether that's mentoring reverse mentoring you know a day in the life of you know with 300 employees there'll be lots of different roles that people don't really have visibility on you know they can go and understand what the other person is doing in other parts of the business to help them make that connection to the bigger picture uh, so I think that's one of the things I suggest in the book is look at all these ways of developing people that don't involve buying a course, you know, so mm. development is not, you know, it, it can be a really good way, um, programs, not, you know, cutting my own throat here because I do a lot of programs too, but there's lots and lots of ways that you can develop your team without having to send them on a program. Yeah, no, the reason why you, do, you run programs is is because you, well, for me, I've done a lot of personal development over the years yeah. and it's about putting yourself into a situational uh, environment where you can quickly learn, throw out things that don't you realize, oh, that's really not working for me. Yes. And not to have to do that as on-the-job stuff-ups. Um, yes. like you just give me as much as that as I can because that, and it's all about integrating it and having it yeah. being automatic. You don't yeah. want to be thinking about these things. And that's why this last one, resolving problems mm. um, with your team, I think one of the things that I have as the CEO and founder um, and I've got a great executive around me where I'm, where, where, so I don't feel like I'm just at the very, very top. And and I, I don't know how Donald Trump runs his companies, but I can imagine it'd be very, you know, like my way or the highway. You're yeah, fired. Say badly. Right. <laughs> um, that you know, through consensus and and discussion, but um, because I'm the own one, you know, one of the owners, um, I've got a lot at stake, um, and therefore spending money because it's my money um helps so i think if any ceo or leader um who's listening to this who's an employee but thinks of what they do as no no that's my money and that's this is my company um yeah. will go a long way in terms of um having that edge to be able to make the right decisions when it's like that's eh, not my money like in marketing i see it a lot it's like well yeah. you just got to do the you got to advertise here and it just feels like they're just doing things to be busy and yes. Did you notice that we we're on the buses or we we're on the the blimp over the opera house? It's like, yeah, I know, but is that really delivering a result? Well, you know, yeah. I don't know. You just got to do these things, and it's like, well, can you be more accountable? And, yeah. And I think so. Resolving problems for me, um, there's, um, it's about being able to be decisive and knowing. And making a decision whether it's the right one or the wrong one and just saying i'm going to live with that um is rather than sitting on the fence so getting into the get getting into the habit of of going all right a decision needs to be made let's do it let's make it happen it's probably i think people who come from the military are probably well trained in that but bringing that yeah. that um courage um confidence that really comes down to knowing where you're heading yeah I guess one of the things that I, I'm suggesting in the book is that, you know, when we talk about um, supporting your team to resolve problems, I, you know, I think 
when you've when you're just transitioning into leadership you're used to making the decisions yourself and there's a trap of stepping into that leadership role and going you know my person comes to me with a problem oh I need to make a decision for them and actually that's not what we're going to do anymore we're going to use a coaching approach so how can you you know as you said with your clarity your vision and where you're going enable them to make really good decisions so really when you're helping them make decisions you're doing that by asking them really good questions um, and if they're clear on the focus of the organization and where they're headed and they have the skills and capabilities, then they'll make better decisions, you know, for the betterment of the company. And that stops you turning into uh, what looks like the deli counter at Woolies, where everybody's standing outside your office with a number going, please, sir, can you make a decision for me? That's not what it's about. So, you know, really about empower, like you said, empowering your team, you know, how can you empower them to make decisions so that you can move quicker, smarter, better, more effectively? And I do have to ask you, you've written a book. What's your English teacher in Scotland saying, you know, she wrote a book. I, I can't believe it. Like, or is she going, no, no. Anna was always on, like, she was very curious. She was very inquisitive. English was a, um, you know, she did well at English. Like when you think well, about that. And, I don't I think I was such a genius at English, to be honest. I kind of have sort of writing in my blood. So um, my great grandfather and my great grandmother and their father before them, they were like writers and publishers. And um, one of them oh, was wow. the editor of the British Weekly in the UK. So that's kind of my kind of little claim to fame. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think, you know, when I when I was actually at school and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher because my mum and the careers guidance, who was also happened to be my English teacher, funny you should mention it, said, no, no, you don't want to be a teacher because you're, you're just picking that because your mum's a teacher. Oh, okay. So I went and did this random program on languages because I was quite good at languages. So I studied French and Spanish at uni. And then I fell into training and development when I came to Broken Hill in Australia. So, it, and it turned out to be the place for me. So I think, uh, you know, she, my English teacher probably wouldn't have envisaged that I would have ever written a book on this topic. <laughs> but to me, I just, it feels like coming home, like working in this space with people and developing and communicating and supporting them, enabling them. That's what it's all about. That's what kind of gets me out of bed in the morning. So you went from the highlands of Scotland, freezing cold, to Broken Hill. I've been to Broken Hill. Yeah. And probably, it's an amazing you know, place. Um, that is one um there's one culture shock <laughs> not even forget about even your culture one thing but just geographical shock um yeah. it's shock with a capital s in fact yeah. it's all in capital so how what i mean that must have been um a spectacular introduction to australian life it was amazing uh, i mean i learned so much there and i think you know i'd studied european policy law and management so that's really not that handy in broken hill as it turns out so and and because i had to sort of be agile and figure out well what, what the hell am i going to do i ended up doing lots of different things so you know work for the chamber of commerce and i work for a, a law firm and i you know work for a council and all sorts of different things so i got lots of different experiences and as it turns out lots of different experiences about companies and teams and leadership uh, and also, uh, interestingly, from a, from a human resource point of view, um, Broken Hill has its own legislation uh, out there, which is really interesting. So the Barry Industrial Council and things like that, County of Yankawina has special IR legislation. So as it turned out, as I kind of went down the path of working in HR, it was kind of an interesting place to be. 
Mm. So yeah, forever the growth mindset and optimism, Tony. <laughs> wow, amazing. So let's think about the book. And I, I don't really want to give too much away as I never yeah. like to do. Everyone should, um, who's um, um, at the precipice, at the at that bridge that's, that's you're going to have to walk across and it'll be burned behind you as you get to the other side of m- moving into leadership. Once you're there, you you can go back, but you can, you know, it's very, if you're a leader, then um, your your destiny is set. Um, when you think about the book and it's really well written yeah. and, and the, the chapters are, are great, and I don't want to give anything away, but is there something in here that we haven't really talked about that you really want to touch on? So those that, um, uh, you know, for thinking about getting it for themselves or maybe someone that they know um, yeah. who's gone into that role, what, what comes to mind? Um, about the book and about what we haven't covered yeah I, I think for me you know it's probably my number one thing for leaders it's about reflection um, you know you've talked a lot today about your reflections you know on your journey and and what that you know what you've taken away from that and that is the most powerful thing and I think at the moment well not at the moment but, but it seems to be exacerbated by COVID this sense of busyness everyone is so busy and they're in back-to-back meetings there is zero time for reflection and when that's the situation, there's not any room for growth and learning from your mistakes. And I mean, mistakes are really powerful learning lessons. But if we're running flat tilt from, you know, one to another to another, then we're not getting that chance to reflect. So, uh, you know, the way I've structured the book is to encourage people to actually take that reflection. Um, but even if it's just five minutes once a week, you know, what went really well this week? What will I do differently next week? to just take in the good, you know, what you're doing well and do more of that and to, you know, do a fine tune of something that you need to do a little bit differently. So, uh, you know, if there was only one thing that you're going to take away, it's please do more reflection. That would be awesome. <laughs> mm. And when you think about reflection, the best way to do that is to, is it to have a journal? Is it just to sim- simply go on a quiet walk um, through nature and, and think about things. What's what's the most uh, productive way to be reflect? I know that sounds really odd because reflection is supposed to be non-productive. Well, I, I think it is productive. But, you know, of absolutely, course, because you, can... you know you you get to a different place, don't you? You go on a journey. I think I think it. You know, it's not only it's not a simple answer to I think it depends. Um, and uh, if you haven't done much reflection before, I would suggest that you try a few different methodologies. And I, I do talk about that in the book. Personally, for me, the writing is really powerful, like, you know, physical writing. I mean, I use a, a stylus and a, and a digital tablet type thing. Um, and, and we know, again, from sort of neuroscience that when you actually do the handwriting, it activates a different part of your brain. So that can be really powerful. Walks in nature, you know, quietly sitting, you know, there's all sorts of ways of doing it. And, and for me, also coaching is reflection. It's guided reflection with a coach or a mentor. That can be really powerful too. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, you know, if, if you're doing it well, at the end of it, you're thinking differently. So if you're not thinking differently, try another method. Uh, and probably the easiest way to start is to have a coach or someone, you know, or a mentor because they will enable you to do that well. Mm. Yeah, that's... I can I totally endorse that in terms of when when you said reflection, it's more about um, the times when I felt ashamed of something that I said or did or didn't do or um, and how I was able to process that and go, yeah, I learned a lot about that. Sometimes 
I might need to write because um, writing with, with pen in the hand or even tapping away at the keyboard is a, an aspect of having that be um, excreted um, yes. in, you know, like ejected from your system from within you to outside to then um, help in, in completing it. Um, I, I like to break up words to understand them better. So the word intuition, like if you break it into two words, intuition, in training. So you, you have all these experiences and what you do is you, you learn from them and then you put them in your gut. So when things happen in the future, and therefore your intuition, you, your gut feel, you, um, and if you've not processed it or if it's still sitting there in some sort of post-traumatic situation or just simply way too much um, energy on that, on that experience that you feel stuck. Um, then you're just you're just waiting for the lesson to be discovered and going okay yeah I, I've definitely like I've made speeches and I thought oh my god that is really embarrassing <laughs> and uh, I've had to really work through it and go yeah, yeah. what are, okay what did I learn because people yeah. forget I remember that terrible speech but other people go oh I, and I, you ask them and they go I can't remember that I remember it exactly. Right? I think you, you know your comment about intuition is really powerful because uh, again with the reflection your body is really wise like and again you know the neuroscience is just catching up with what is actually going on there you know the gut mind connection and so forth when you're busy 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 you're not even allowing like the space to listen to your body you know, so, you know, if you really tune in, your gut is telling you that this decision is not quite right, but you're so working so rapidly, you don't even register it. It's there, it's kind of yelling, but you're not listening. So I, I think, you know, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm just turned 49, right? So getting a bit more wise about myself over the years. And I think only in this last couple of years, and I'm, am I really starting to use my body to its, you know, full extent, really listening to what my body's saying, you know, mm -hmm. listening to your head and your heart and your, and your gut, like, what is it telling you? And just making much more, you know, reflective, you know, better decisions as a result. Mm -hmm. So Anna, we're, we're coming towards the end and you've asked a lot of questions of me. Normally, <laughs> normally it's the other way around. So it's been quite engaging, but um, I do like to ask um, thought leaders like yourself and people who are practitioners in certain areas of skill who, who I get to bring on the program um, and to ask any question of me as a CEO that those who are listening can go, okay, well, that's how Tony answered it, but what about how I would answer it? So when you meet with a CEO, with a leadership team or somebody for the first time, or um, maybe you've been working with them for a while, what, is, what are some of the key questions that you would ask of somebody to really get cut through into you know, what, you know, what are really the, the fundamental people leadership um, um, skills or things that um, need to be considered or worked on, or you need yeah. to understand how you operate? What what do you what comes to mind? Well, I'm I'm just thinking. So if I was if I was coming into your organization and I was working with you, I would be asking you, what are you observing? Like, what are you noticing inside your organization? You know, if you were if you're going to identify three things that really stand out to you when you observe all the teams around you, what what do you notice? What's showing up right now? So um, I always look to where the weakest link is. 
and and my goal then is to make that the strongest link but then of course becomes uh, another area becomes the weakest link and then you kind of work your way around so that's definitely uh, one of the, one of the things and with the growth that we've had the distribution center is definitely going through transformational phase so there's a lot of um there's a lot of things that are um that are um not happening yet that we will we'll, we'll get there so that's definitely one thing that i have done and do and am do i'm doing right now the other thing um that i love to do and i still am doing is um having a a gut feel on who's missing uh-huh. so what's the Question. role what's the role that if we had that role um how would so we recently added a continuous improvement manager we we've kind of done it internally ourselves but it's just getting to a point where we go no we need someone on board and i did i think three interviews um of there was interviews going on but i was in three and i seriously could have hired every person because I was just That's like, wonderful. Because it's just like, I love continuous improvement. <laughs> the whole idea of, especially in a business like ours, where there's just so many moving pieces and so forth, and to have, to know that that was going to be beneficial. I remember in 2010, uh, we had a a um, accountant who would be part time working with us, and my brother had gone away to work on um, a, a, on a trip to do some buying in the UK. So I had to take care of the finances and I didn't realize how little we money we had in the bank account. And so I, I did a massive sale of product that had been sitting around and, and just get cash in and, and once took a couple of months, but once we kind of got back to, you know, more the right position that we needed to be in, I said to the guy, I said, you know, it kind of feels like we need a full-time CFO. And that's another great example of, of just feeling for what we need. And the one thing I will say that I did do as an entrepreneur building a business from nothing was that it was like, okay, what revenue do we need to be at to afford that? Yes. Um, so rather Good than question. going, oh, we really need a CFO. Well, we'll get one now and then sure we'll be losing a bit of money, but then eventually we'll, it's like, no, no, make more sales so I can then afford that, that person. So, um, and of course being bigger now, that's, uh, easier but it still comes with that underlying um measure of well uh, are we going to have more month at the end of the money or we're going to have more money at the end of the month um um so i've definitely i've i'm doing that now i definitely do that in terms of what i what i pay attention to the other thing is is around just there's there's a i don't know whether it's a mindset or whether people worry about spending money, but quite often there's people in the organization who are afraid to buy um, um, machinery or, or tools or whatever it might be because, oh, it's going it's, it to cost a bit of money. But even in the last week, it was like we use banding machines to make sure that the books stay together as they make their way into the packing machines. And they weren't working. The ones that we originally got weren't working very well. Um, so they were using rubber bands, but rubber bands were putting marks on the books and you can't use rubber bands. Well, there's these Swiss machines, which are like I don't know, two or three times more expensive. I forget. I think it was twice as expensive as the other ones. Get those ones. And it's like making those decisions and seeing where, where people um, are afraid of spending money 
um, and knowing because it's going to they're going to be operational all the time. They're going to save saving time and money. So from my perspective, um, really looking for the, those opportunities to invest in it, it can be as simple as people are trying to do binding or a gillet paper cutting paper. Yes. Um, all those little things. It's just like guys, spend the money, get it. What, what, what Make you, your life easier and better. What are you, what, what are you worried about? So, so me as a leader, it's it's being uh, having the the ability and the power to to make those decisions and say yes, and and really find out you know what are you missing? Is there a trolley with the wheel wobbly? Well, why are you still? Why, why are you trying to operate like that? A new trolley costs this get rid of that one and it's, it's that idea of not willing to to have that level of of um everything operate you know operationally perfect and just making mm. do is i cannot believe that sometimes so there's three things that great the great that you can uh, give them a little shake up to focus on that more yeah it's also i guess it gives them like oh, okay uh let me notice it's like you just said what are you noticing let let them notice oh i noticed that this door isn't closing or the air conditioning isn't working as well um yes. and all these then they're, they're going to start speaking up and then at least you you know what what's going on you need people like that um yeah in the organization i love, I love that analogy of sort of the dance floor and the balcony and stepping up you know getting off the dance floor up onto the balcony having a good look around what do you notice it's totally different when you look at it from up there so mm. Sounds like you do that and you encourage the people to do the same. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a three-dimensional thinker. It's one of the things about the book industry where most people were, you know, it's the way it always was, it's the way it is. But I came into the book industry um, thinking very differently, looking at different angles. I seriously am looking, okay, from that angle or from that angle. Yes. Um, um, it's the world is, the universe is three-dimensional. So to take a different right. position and see what it looks like from there. And, that, you know, that, that's, you know, reflection, self-coaching, whatever you want to call it. It's all about, you know, like you say, looking at the things from different angles mm. and then seeing what else emerges, which is yeah. great. So what, any other questions? Um, I think the last one I would want to ask you is, so, you know, you've, you've been a CEO for many years. If you were going to give one piece of advice to emerging leaders to help them make that transition, you know, to be a, to be a leader for the first time, what would you advise them? Um, hmm. um, because I don't really think in the form of leadership. To me, the easiest way to transition is lead by example. So, um, if you're not you're not a manager, you're a leader. So, if someone's away or someone's someone's um, needs a bit of help stepping in making sure that you're there for them make that call with them give them the feedback um, um it's it makes it it's so much more inspiring than than rather than feeling like you've got an overlord who's watching you you know smash up revising you smash yeah. up the stones with your with your ankles chained so you could you know feels feels a bit prison-like um yes um and versus we're all in this together. So let's, what have we got to do? Uh, during the pandemic, a bunch of our leaders were down in the distribution center working in certain areas because we were um, restricted because we were um, really close to a lot of um, where the outbreaks were in here in Sydney. And, and to be able to um, 
um, just get on the floor and just pick books and and help them get through. Um, they were very very grateful. So yeah. to me, it's it's um, lead by example. Yeah, the role um, modeling is powerful. Yeah, and then absolutely get a strong sense of where you're heading um, and really really make sure that you're you're making progress. And of course, um, you know, communicating, bringing people on the on the journey with you. Um, yes, great. And, and also, get rid of the people who who aren't um, yeah, who aren't right. And, and when you say well, get rid of in America, it's easier. You can just simply fire people. Australia has different, and the UK has different um, employment laws. Um, but rather than going, oh, that person's so useless, or you know, I'm just struggling dealing with that. Is just continue to turn up the heat. So this is what we're focused on. This is the output. This is how we're going. It's really positive. And rather than trying to manage someone out, just turn up the heat so they pop out and go to some other company where they can be um, dragging the chain. And that's the way I like to do it um, most, most of the time. And then you continue to attract people who are, who are amazing. If you've got people that are not, you know, not performing the way that you'd like to, you know, just again, be curious, you know, what's going on there? Is there something going on at home? Is it, is it not the right fit of the role? Are they missing a key skill? You know, how, how can we be curious about that? Again, you know, we take our growth mindset, you know, if we, if we sit there and go, that person will never change. Well, we're taking a fixed mindset on them. So, you know, just really, as you say, turn up the heat with your expectations, be really clear, you know, so there's no doubt about what you're asking. Mm. Um, and then support them and provide lots of feedback for improvement. Yeah, that's so great. So, oh boy, this could go on for another couple of hours. <laughs> Anna Marshall, the author, On Your Marks, Get Set, Lead, A Beginner's Guide to People Leadership. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. Congrats on the book. And I think everyone has got a, a bit of an insight onto the kind of messaging and thinking and thought-provoking ideas and questions that you want. Um, so if your leadership is something that um, you're considering, then please buy Anna's book and you'll be, it's so cheap. It's under $30. You, it's a bargain. Um, you can't get a better course than that. So thank, thanks so much for having me, Tony, and for your kind words and loved hearing your own insights about your leadership journey. Thanks for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au